thinking about the songs that Perry chose for this morning's worship as um, this last week um, I've actually been on sabbatical and uh, part of the focus of my sabbatical this last week was uh, on some schoolwork and uh, just trying to get caught up on some things and so I've read a bunch of uh, Puritans over the last couple weeks and a lot of church history which um, I, I, I didn't ever really like history uh, in high school, Steve, it was probably one of the most frustrating classes, especially my Western uh, Civ classes that dealt with a lot of the foundations of what I'm going back and doing now. It's kind of ironic. Um, but Perry, as you were singing those songs, um, the rich doctrine that is there, and especially uh, men like John Owen and Jonathan Edwards, uh, they that, that I was reading this last week, they, they have some great works that really emphasize the, the grace of God and the, the sufficiency of, of Christ's sacrifice for us. Um, and I don't often suggest books, but I think coming on the heels of some of that reading and um, just, just the great worship, and then even leaning into what we're going to do this morning in, in communion, I do want to recommend, recommend these two uh, books to you. One is uh, Read the Death of Death and the Death of Christ by John Owen, if you can find that. If you can't, let me know. I can get you actually a PDF of that um, and just email it out. Um, the other one that I would really highly recommend that you can get on Kindle for probably nine or ten bucks is God's Passion for His Glory uh, by John Piper. And what that book contains is John Piper's reflections on uh, work by Jonathan Edwards, uh, the end for which God created the world. And so in, in the first half of the book is Piper's reflections. The second part of the work is actually Edwards' work. And uh, it, it was probably, I think, Perry, that's what I gave you some uh, yes. excerpts of a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's just so incredible to read about the glory of God, uh, his love for us, and the, the extent of his work and the sureness of his purchasing us mm -hmm. uh, to, to delight and, and enjoy him. So there's just some great thoughts in those that I, I just, sorry to, to commercial those things for a second. I do want to give a shout out to some folks. Steve was, we, we were off screen over here on uh, my right trying to get out of the, this, the, the shot a little bit. Um, Don Spain Howard, all the way from Germany. Way to go, man. Love you. We've, uh, Christian and I were driving around yesterday going to get some dinner and we were talking about you and praying for you, thinking about you and just uh, glad that, that you're able to join us. I think you were here last week. Um, I think the McGee's got some family um, on here, so we're just excited about that. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Maybe, uh, Thomas, you can moderate this for me over the next minute or two. I would lo love to know how many children are with us right now. So, Thomas, you're going to have to pull out a calculator or something. Maybe, maybe, you can, maybe you can use over here, there's a whiteboard. You can do some tally marks really quick as they come in. Um, but I would love to know how many children are out there because we're going to have an activity for the, the kids in the rooms in, in just a minute. So um, y'all hang in there um, before we get, get to the activity. Um, so this morning, what the focus is, obviously, communion is the fifth Sunday of the month for us at the Grove, uh, for everybody around the world in some sense. Um, but for us at the, the Grove, we do communion on fifth Sunday, and we felt like um, that would be a, a great thing for us to do consistently this morning. Um, and so we're also in, in this time of preparation towards Easter, where we're looking, um, last week we saw just before Jesus entered into the, the um, Passion Week, uh, he was 
um, working to, or in relationship with some people, and his disciples especially were arguing amongst themselves who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They were looking to say, hey, if we do certain things in obedience or works, we could elevate our status. And Jesus looked at them and said, you need to humble yourselves like a child. And so that's what we looked at last week. Well, this week, um, we're going to be shifting just a little bit into the Passion Week itself. And we're gonna be, uh, I'm going to be talking specifically about the history of the, the Passover meal. And uh, then I'm going to turn it over to Steve for us to, to take the elements together. So um, one of the things that I, I want to remind you of, uh, especially for, for you kids out there, I want you to, to listen and learn about this because you'll probably know these things from being in, in uh, the grow group on Sunday mornings and stuff. How many kids were there, Thomas? Did you lose count? Ten right now? Okay, cool. So uh, there's, there's a group of kids somewhere out there. So um, I want you to tell your parents, you remember when the Passover was established? It was uh, back in the days of the Israelites when they were taken uh, captive by who? Do you remember? I'm giving you a second. Hopefully you remember. It's the Egyptians. And uh, the Pharaoh had captured them, and he was using them as uh, uh, workforce slavery uh, to build a lot of buildings for them. And at that time, Moses was coming onto the scene, and God used Moses to have this confrontation with Pharaoh about the Israelites being freed from the Egyptian uh, rule. And the Pharaoh did what? He didn't want to let them go. And so uh, throughout a bunch of plagues, which kind of brings a little familiarity, doesn't it? Um, that that the, the Lord was still at work in his sovereign providence in the midst of all those things for his people and for his purpose, which ultimately was to bring redemption. And so it's interesting to me that, that we're talking about the, the concept of bondage and slavery to the Egyptians uh, that the Israelites experienced. But what Jesus transforms the Passover to, to really mean is that we struggle with the bondage and slavery to sin, but he has set us free from that. So that's the overall picture that we get. So one of the things that happened was the, the last, if you will, event in, in the, the series of the plagues was this death angel was going to go over uh, the, the land of Egypt, and he was going to see who had obeyed the Lord and providing a sacrificial lamb and covering the blood post of their door so that the firstborn, when the death angel went by, if he saw the blood on the, the doorpost, he would pass over and not take the firstborn. But one of the things that happened in preparation for that is uh, that became a tradition is that the, the Israelites would go through their house with candles. And remember, they didn't have flashlights back then, okay? No batteries or anything like that. So they would use candles, maybe some kind of little lamp, but they would look for the leaven. Now, leaven is this substance, kind of like yeast, that makes bread rise. And so... Soft and fluffy. Soft and fluffy. I don't know enough about baking bread, Steve. The more yeast you add, does it get softer? I just eat bread. Me too. I don't know. With butter. Warm. Mm, yeah. With butter. Mm. So, here's what I want you to do, kids. I want, I've asked your parents to actually hide an object in your house somewhere in a room close by. And I want you to take, maybe they got you a flashlight, I hope. Um, no candles. Um, that would be unsafe. We don't want any houses burning down. Um, especially the Myers house. <laughs> especially, Christian, I know you're the only one at home right now. You, you can go search. I don't know if mom hid anything, but, you know, have fun. Um, but what we want you to do is we want your parents to tell you what the object is, but we want you to pretend like that's the, the leaven, 
and we want you to go take a minute or two to go hunt and find the hidden leaven in your house. And we'll get back with you in just a, a couple minutes. Go! Maybe when y'all can start uh, letting us know they're coming back through comments. They're back. They're back. They found it. Something like that on the. That would help. That would help us not sit here awkwardly. Awkwardly. <laughs> Very awkwardly. That's why I'm not Don, are you hunting for leaven in Germany right now? Honey. I don't know. She may have hidden something for her parents. Yeah. Any kids back yet? Uh, Meyer's kids are back. Okay. That's good. That's good. good to know. Way to go. They had a whole army looking for us. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming back in now. Yeah, they're coming back in. All right, cool. We, we also are figuring this out. We're on a little bit of delay, so we'll, we'll go ahead and move in to things now that we know some of the kids are coming back. One of, one of the things about the leaven, specifically, is it gives us this image. One of, and when you think about Scripture, there's a lot of things that are used for types, that, that they would represent other things uh, specifically um, down the road as history unfolded. And so the, the leaven, in particular, represents sin. And, and it's interesting because I think when, when I was reflecting on this, every year that, that the feast would happen, and it would also, this is an, a little interesting historical thing, this would, the, the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread would begin on uh, the, the 13th day of the month of Nisan, which for the uh, Israelites or Jewish people, they would operate very specifically on those calendar dates um, and not rotate them necessarily the same way we do. So, but that, the month of Nisan corresponds to our April, and that's part of, partially why we believe that uh, we celebrate, or not we believe, but why we celebrate uh, Easter in the month of April traditionally. So, um, all these things are kind of playing together right now as we're, we're approaching the, the, our own Easter celebration. So, that, that search for the leaven had to take place every Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Why? Because they, though they could find sin, it would constantly come back. And no sacrifice had, had ever been made that would perfectly remove their sin. Um, I think the other thing about this, the leaven being hidden is that what we try to do with our sin uh, is we don't want people to know about our sin. We try to hide our own sin. We, we try to put maybe masks up or put on fronts that, that prevent people from seeing us really as who we are and the, the struggles that we have in our, our humanity and the flesh, and especially as Christians, who we are in, in the old nature and the things that we struggle with. Yet, 
the irony is of, of that approach in our thinking is that, that God sees all that, that is hidden. He knows the inwardmost parts of our hearts, and there's nothing hidden from his knowledge about us. So really, in some sense, it's, it's that moment of owning, I need to go search mm. out those hidden sins because he already knows them, I need to own it. Yeah. And, and kind of hiding those things and locking them away is a way of kind of saying, I'm not really doing anything wrong. Yeah. But mm. the sin's still there. Yeah. And, and so going and hunting for it is that, is that owning of going, I've got sin in my life that I need to get out. Yeah, it's re- recognition of need, uh, recognition of the, the Lord's provision for us. Uh, I, I imagine in a lifetime, if you are not cleaning out the house, mm. what would happen? Mm. The, the pile of that sin would become uh, you know, just, just larger and larger and, and maybe un, even unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all sorts of images there that we could consider. So kids, great job on finding those objects. Really proud of you for that. Thanks for having some fun with us. And hopefully that'll help you understand part of why, as the the, uh, the Israelites and especially Jesus and his disciples proceeded to go forward in the Passover, what some of the things that are happening in this Last Supper that Jesus establishes with his disciples uh, are significant for, um, and ultimately is that he's the, the the one who finalized the the sacrifice for our sins. Um, so let me share a couple things about what happened that last week, uh, that last Passover meal that, that Jesus established with his disciples. Uh, when he came uh, into Jerusalem um, on that white colt, uh, there was this, this point through that week where he said to his disciples, hey, go find uh, this, this upper room. You're going to you know, know where it is. And then they had to do some things to prepare. And then Jesus and the rest of the disciples came in for the meal. Now, here's what would have happened. Uh, Peter and John there were the ones who were given the instructions to take their, their Passover lamb to the temple for sacrifice. Now, when, what that means is there was a certain time of the day that people would show up at the temple and the priest would be making those sacrifices, and they had to then take the prepared parts of the lamb back to their, their homes for the meal. And so that, that was happened in, in setup. Then what happens is Jesus and the rest of the disciples show up in this upper room, and they sit around a table, and, and they're reclined there, and there's a couple of elements that, that happen there. There's uh, unleavened cakes that are present. There's actually four cups of wine mixed with water, most likely, that are used throughout the meal. They had uh, bitter herbs and some other mixtures of uh, salt, water, or vinegar that they would dip the herbs in. And they would be reclining at this table, and they would do all these things in remembrance of what was happening. But I think one of the most interesting things, and, and parents or adults, I, I want to ask you to do something right now. I want you to find Psalm 113 in your Bible. Um, because one of the things I want to ask you to do in just a minute is I want you to, to read that passage. Um, it, it's interesting. Psalm 113 through 118 is known as the Halal. And that section of scripture particularly um, pertains to the Passover meal. So Psalm 113 and 114 would actually be sung or chanted in the temple uh, as the the Passover lambs were being sacrificed. And then at a point during the meal, that the host would actually refer back to that and that they would pray those prayers again. So what I want to do is I want to actually ask that someone in our homes actually read that out loud for you guys there together. So take just a minute and read Psalm 113. 
So as we were worshiping this morning, um, Perry was singing, Who is like the Lord Almighty? Um, I think that was one of the lines in the songs, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, here, that, that almost <clears throat> that exact line is in Psalm 113.5. Um, what I love about the, this psalm in particular is it extols um, or it, it makes much of the magnificence of God and his provision. And as I was preparing for this message this week, I continue to think through our circumstances in our world while we're meeting in a, a live stream uh, with the coronavirus going on and the quarantines and all these things. If there's ever been a season where we, we as believers need to recognize God's power, his authority, his faithfulness, his sovereignty, it's in a season like this where we would not get frustrated or fearful or anxious or worried about our circumstances, but we would know that, that God is still in control, that he rules, that he gives favor to his people in the midst of all things because he loves us. And Christ has been given to provide a ransom for us that we might enter into a right relationship with him, that we would continue just to delight in him and his glory again and again and again for who he is and for what he's done for us. Steve, you have thoughts that you want to weigh in? I hear you kind of respond in a little bit. Not quite yet. I'm just, I'm just kind of okay. taken aback by the significance of, of this time where we are moving into Easter yeah. and, and just the clear picture of the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I'm really just right now just kind of humbled yeah. by those thoughts. Yeah, and, and I think I, I totally get it. That's part of why my, my thought process with the worship, with where I've been, has there's been this soaking in mm -hmm. of yeah. things that the Lord has just been allowing me to do in meditation mm -hmm. on Him and, and His goodness. Um, so, so let me go back to the history of, of the meal. So they, they would come in and they would sit at this table and they would, the, the host would take the first cup and he would have a blessing over the cup and he would pass the cup. Then traditionally the host, um, because he was the, the one who was to be esteemed as the host, he would traditionally uh, go around and actually wash the hands of his guest. But what did Jesus do here? Kids especially, do you remember what Jesus might have, uh, what he did in, in this last supper that he had with his disciples? If you don't remember, well, he changed it tremendously. He actually talked about him girding his loins, that he grabbed his garment up, and he went around and washed the disciples' feet. And, and so that's this picture. Last week we talked about the, the, those coming uh, into the kingdom of Christ must be humble like a child. Here Jesus again shows the, 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 his humility as he washes the disciples' feet. It's not about him being exalted at this point. It's about him coming into this last Passover meal, saying, I am the, the sacrificial lamb. I'm the one who's going to be slain. Uh, and, and that plan was set out before the foundation of the world, that this work that I'm about to do as the humble servant would accomplish a new work. Yeah, I was going to mention that. So, so historically, one of the things that always just really kind of struck me about that point in that story was traditionally in those homes where you had servants do things, mm. there was one or two servants set aside for the lowliest of tasks, one of which was washing people's feet. Right. And so for, for Jesus to literally... Like you said, gird up his gird up his robe, his his jacket, and put a towel around his waist, and go and wash these disciples' feet. 
he was signifying, I am the lowest of the low in serving you, and there's nothing that I won't go do yeah. in, in serving you and serving you in love. And, and what was Peter's response? Yeah, well, don't, don't do that first. Don't do that first. Yeah. And, yeah. and Jesus said, Peter, you know, if I don't wash your feet, you know, and then Peter's like, just wash well, the whole of me. Wash, yeah, wash right, the whole of right. me. So I just again, just being taken back to that understanding of of Jesus came to serve, not to be yeah. served. And so then when he adds this picture again of taking on one of the lowest positions in a in a, in a servant's role, right, to wash their feet. What a, what a beautiful picture of humility. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's it. And so Jesus at the very beginning of the supper starts changing everything about yeah. it. Oh my goodness. And so, so then what would have happened is they would have, he would have taken, um, I want to make sure I get this right, he would have taken the, 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 the uh, unleavened bread cakes and he would have broken one, part of it he would have set aside, the other he would have used to pass. Mm-hmm. And they would have dipped this unleavened bread in, in the uh, salt uh, water or, or the vinegar mm-hmm. um, with the bitter herbs. Um, and uh, actually they would have not dipped the bread, they would have passed that and then they would have dipped these bitter herbs in the, the salt and vinegar uh, mixture, whatever that was, this kind of brine to 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 give different flavors to that. All all that had to do with back in uh, the original days when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. By the way, I want to mention this. You can go back to Exodus 12 and read that. It's a, it's a great passage to go back to maybe later today, especially with the, the kids, um, and just review that. So after that, um, what would happen is they would then take the uh, the next cup. The host would take that cup and he would bless that cup. And then together, that party would uh, sing or read the the first two uh, passages of Psalm 113 and 114. Again, that halal. And and then they would partake of the lamb. Mm -hmm. And and so here you can see how Jesus is transitioning this meal. Now, um, as I was studying, I, I, I kept thinking about this one thought. This is the last meal of, of, of the Passover that Jesus for some 30 odd years had been taking but this is the last one he's ever going to take and though this happened regularly all those years in the lives of Israel mm-hmm. at this point because of Jesus transformation that Passover meal never has to be taken in the same form or fashion again because he's accomplished the the the, the uh, or satisfied every aspect of it by his fulfillment uh, of his bar- death, burial, and resurrection. Mm. And so after um, he, he took the, or they would have taken the um, meal of the lamb, then they would take the third cup. And this is the cup of blessing. And um, it's interesting because uh, the, the cups would have represented a couple things about in the meal, a couple things about the Israelites recognizing their need for the satisfaction of God uh, to, to, and his provision to give them all that they needed. So that where they were in the wilderness, they were in slavery, they were hungry and they were thirsty. All of these things that they're about to enter into, God is showing how he is providing for the every need. So this, this last cup is this cup of blessing. And it's uh, this at this point that People believe, scholars believe that uh, Jesus fully transformed the, the communion or the Passover meal into what we hold as communion. Because this last cup would have pointed to his blood being shed. 
and he would have he would have been identifying that in the meal itself, and then after that he takes the 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 two cu- the the bread that was broken and one set aside, he then takes that and he would begin to pass that, where he says this is my body that's broken for you, and, and how Jesus I was I was looking again, you remember in, in John earlier this this is later in in Jesus' life but earlier in John Jesus has talked about him being the bread of life. And so here he's talking about his body is going to have to be broken. And, and these are the things that he's transforming so that this picture of, uh, that is uh, provided in the Passover meal, he's turning it upside down, Steve, so that, oh, yeah. that it's not this old just kind of, hey, we do this, we do this, we do this. And I'm not saying that they were uh, apathetic or uh, just nonchalant about it, but Jesus is so carefully turning the meaning to point to him and his satisfaction, that, that it is just this incredible picture. And I think that's why the disciples were so, uh, their, their minds were stretched in that moment. What's he doing? What's he doing? And there's all, in a sense, even this chaos going around because he's talking about the betrayal uh, that, that one of them is going to partake in. But he's also talking about his f- fulfillment of these things. And so that's the beauty of the, the picture. Um, and so, Steve, I want to just turn this over to you and um, let you share yeah, a little bit more about our practice yeah, of yeah, and that making is, communion. That is so cool because you you really just kind of just kind of bridge right into the, this this whole story. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. Um, so this this part of of the Old Testament is is many many years later chronologically than than the Exodus. So in, in 6.4 it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You, that listen to this, this is, this is so key because all of it hinges, everything that's gone on hinges on this. Love the Lord, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. We're going to see how that comes into play in just a few minutes. And these words, those words, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And these words that I command today shall be on your heart. And then what's it say to do? Parents, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. When you lie down, when you rise, you will bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your gates. And, and I've always said that those are those teachable moments. Right. When should we as parents be teaching our children about the love of Jesus Christ? Always. Always. Yeah, it's, it's wherever we go. And, and so, so what I love about this is that, is that Jesus, the master storyteller, Use so many objects, use so many parables, and and I believe that way back then when they started this Passover meal, that that it was another object lesson, foretelling mm-hmm. what Jesus was going to do. You, you, you see what I mean? And so, I think the beauty of of this time with with communion is again the the Jewish faith loves tradition and 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 everything has these these meanings and these times and these places because it's tradition it's what we do it's how we've done it we've done it for thousands of years and we ourselves 
our families get caught up in tradition and we like to do things like Christmas a certain way and then and opening presents in a certain order and all of those kind of things that are tradition but but they all point back to something that has power and meaning so when I see this and I see this in Deuteronomy where, where the call is for the parents to teach about the love of God Almighty in everything that we do Passover which now becomes communion becomes a wonderful mm. teaching tool for the work and the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? What does Jesus say? If we go on to John, now turn with me fast forward to John chapter 15. I love this. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Check this out. So here's where it starts to flesh out. So you were talking how he starts kind of shaping all of this in his earthly ministry leading up to this moment. Mm -hmm. But it goes on to say this. So he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. See how the picture starting to oh, yeah. start to come into focus? John 13, 34 and 35. Here's a new commandment that I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. What do you mean, as I have loved you? Well, John wrote this many, many years later. So he's retelling the story. So at that point in time when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, how fully had he loved them at that point? Not completely yet. But he loved them. And he was going to show that love. John 3.16 says, God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only to do what? Well, it's all moving forward to this beautiful moment that, that we're getting to share with the whole Easter celebration. Mm -hmm. so, so, as we start to really focus on this time of communion with oh, the kids, mm. what a great teaching moment. Mm. This may be some, some the first time for, for one of your kids to actually make it real, yeah. to go, wow, this is what Jesus did for me. This is what love really means. So we're going to enter into a time of communion. So for the next couple minutes, do what you need to do to prepare um, the communion elements. And again, if, if it's high C and crackers, great. If it's, if it's you know, water, water. And, and white bread, whatever, it's cool. Trust me, it's cool because it's a picture. It's a symbol. It, it, it's a teaching element. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you to teach. So take just a couple seconds to get all of your elements together, Greg, gather your family around, and um, we're going to continue in worship and taking of these elements. And so, Perry, if you'd go ahead and, and, and just get this moment going with, with a beautiful song to kind of pre creates another picture of this time, please. Exalted Son of Glory Humbly came down Wounded 
for the broken bore the sinner's crown through the received the promised spirit through faith what a passage yeah and so that moment then for the disciples Jesus did things way out of the box he bucked tradition not because tradition was bad but because there's something better and I think that that's the beauty of all of this so they're there they're, they're taking the Passover meal as they've done since they've been little kids. You know, and some of these guys now are in their early 20s. And, and some of them may even have kids of their own. But, but, but this intimate moment of, of the disciples and Jesus there. And he says, 
here's this piece of bread. And he broke it, so take that. And he broke it, and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And the beauty of that is, is, is this amazing point. These disciples had possibly gone with their dad when they were little to the temple with their lamb. They would have known and seen these lambs being slaughtered and those portions being cut to be taken, these broken pieces, back to the house for the Passover meal. So when Jesus now says, this is my body, which is broken for you, they're going, wait, wait a minute, you're making a connection back to the lamb that literally just hours ago we took to the temple and we broke. And now you're saying you're going to be broken, but, but you're, the, you're, the, you're the savior. You're the one who's going to come in and, and make it all right. And he's like, yeah, I've got to make it all right this way. So he broke that bread and handed it to him and said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. So do that. Take this right now. So then the word picture, you know, really kind of continues. Because he takes the cup. And in this case, it would have been, it would have been the wine. It would have been red. So there would have been a greater picture and understanding. But for years, they had heard the story of the blood that was spilled back in Egypt. And again, think of all of the children of Israel spilling this blood at the same time all to paint the doorposts. And then what does it say in Deuteronomy? Put them as signs on your doorposts. What sign? The love of God. This the straight love of God. And so this blood that was put on the doorposts to know that in faith and in hope the angel of death would pass over them, that they would be saved from death. He fast forwards and says, this is a new covenant, a new promise. I promised back then I wouldn't take your life. Abraham, the promise is going to come through you that there will be a Savior. There will be one who will save. So you have this picture of Abraham. You have this picture of the children of Israel with the Passover, all being saved from death, all being saved to life. And Jesus goes on to say that this now my blood is a new promise. That this sin, this leaven, this yuck, this nasty that's been hiding out in your life, I'm going to pay for that. And my promise is this, you will have life. John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only for this reason. That whoever will not die, not die, but have eternal life. Eternal life, why? Because He is the new covenant. So that's why this matters. Isn't this beautiful story? So I say 
these are those teachable moments for you and your family. When, when you sit down for dinner and you say the blessing, you say grace over your meal, you could actually have a communion. Hey kids, remember how we talked about this before? Let's one more time just remember the work of Jesus Christ. As you're taking your juicy juice, it's a symbol of what God Almighty did in love by this blood being a new covenant that we can have eternal life. So as you share this with your family, it's a promise. He is the life because of his death. And we have life because of that. Take it with your family. marriage counseling and marriage counseling and come back to this often because it focuses in on Christ's relationship with the church but also husbands and wives and, and the roles and relationships that exist there what's really interesting um, about it is th that the, the picture of marriage there is actually designed as a, an illustration of Christ in the church listen to what Ephesians 5 verse 32 says this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So, so marriage is another symbol of these very things. So going back to this, I want to hit a couple of things really quickly for us as, as a church community, just to think through it after we celebrated uh, the Lord's Supper. It says here in verse 23, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the 
Church should, uh, church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as this. Those two things point to Christ. Mm -hmm. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, mm -hmm. that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, mm -hmm. so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Mm. That's what Christ has done for us. That, that's what we celebrate. That, that he has redeemed us, that he is sanctifying us, that he is trying his hardest even now mediating on our behalf that we would be holy and blameless before our Heavenly Father. What do we do with this? Well, I think there's two things, Steve and Perry. I think one you've mentioned, we continue to have gospel conversations. Yeah. That, that this picture doesn't just become a moment on a fifth Sunday for us in, as the Grove Church, but it becomes something that we dialogue about consistently as families, even with our friends, that, that we are saying we are gospel-oriented people expressing the beauty of what it means to know Christ as our Savior. And, and then I think the next part of that is that we do operate in response to the love of God. Because as, as we're washed with the water of what? The Word. The Word, as you showed us, is an expression of His love for us. We need to respond in obedience to the love of God and, and cooperate in our sanctification, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to participate in those good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, according to Ephesians uh, 2. So there's all these great things that, that come out of the celebration of communion. So I, I just trust that uh, as the four of us have gathered in this room and we've been able to worship together and share these thoughts of, of Scripture, especially, hopefully, rightly elevating Christ mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. today and the beauty of the sacrifice that you would have worshipped well together at home and that even through an online community, we've we felt uh, proximity to, to one another. Uh, Thomas, I'm going to ask you real quick, are there any comments come in or anything uh, through... Facebook, you may not have had a chance to moderate well. Um, we're good? Travis had a really good scripture that he shared cool. during communion. What was that? Um, Isaiah 53.5. Yeah, the, that passage in Isaiah 53. Uh, Travis, I'm guessing that's Travis Campbell. Yeah. Cool. Let me see if I can pull that real quick. It's in the Old Testament. Thanks for that reminder. If you have the right Bible, it's on page 997. Um, if that helps you. Uh, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. I know that's a familiar um, passage, but uh, Travis, thanks for sharing that, because it, it does just give us another highlight and, and uh, focus on the Old Testament, picturing that prophetic moment in Isaiah, picturing the coming of, of uh, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb, who would be slain. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Thomas? No. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming and joining us today at the Grove Church in our online service. Uh, we hope that you'll have a, a blessed week. Uh, look for these emails that are coming out uh, soon about grow groups and women's <clears throat> ministry and all these other things. Again, I, I do want to remind you um, that uh, we are trying to maintain uh, staff lives and all those things right now, ministry things. Uh, so if you do have the opportunity to tithe, you can do that online. Obviously, you can mail it in. Uh, that We just ask if you do that, that you'd wrap it up so nobody uh, knows it's just a check. You know, it's sitting in the, the envelope. Um, I have heard of 
folks taking advantage of church mailbox on occasion. So uh, e-commerce on the website uh, through the e-community. So just go to grow431.com, e-community, and then giving, or go through your Alexio app. Um, Steve, anything else? All right. Well, let me close this with prayer. Uh, again, thanks to Don and other folks uh, tuning in from all over the world. It was great to have you guys with us. We miss you and are praying for your health as well as everybody else's. So let's, let's bow together and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, first of all, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you that as our Savior, that he is the Holy One. He was without spot or blemish, and that by his blood, we are healed. Father, thank you that... He suffered. He became a curse for us that we might be made right with you. Lord, that we might, this blows my mind, that we would become co-heirs with Christ and that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours, even right now. So Lord, let us testify well of your grace and your mercy to us as your children. Lord, I pray for our families, especially with younger children that have not come to faith. I pray that uh, today would stir up gospel conversations about the hope of Christ. For those uh, of us with children that have come to, to faith, I pray that this would also present a teaching moment for us to continue to help them grow in their faith and, and be discipled. And then, Father, for just maybe adult couples, uh, that this would even stir them up to just uh, continue to talk about your grace and your mercy. Lord, I know Katie and I were uh, last night talking and just reflecting on history of, of years of marriage and uh, all the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, oftentimes we can do those things but leave you out. And Lord, I, I just pray that today would be a day where we really take the opportunity to reflect on you and remember you well. Father, I, I do want to pray for our uh, world and this pandemic. We know that you're a God of healing, that you're a God of hope, that you're faithful to us, and that your mercies are new every morning and that you give grace to both the righteous and the unrighteous. And Lord, if there's ever a time in our world that we need your hand upon us, it is now. So I pray, Lord, that, that uh, your children would especially turn our faces to you in prayer, in hope, in faith. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would also speak well of you and your sovereignty in all these things so that people that don't know you would be lifted up. Lord, uh, I've continued to think about uh, my history in reading. Um, or a reading of history um, where uh, Jonathan Edwards and the, the Great Awakening started because of an earthquake of all things. Lord, you, you called men to uh, repentance through that, that shocking event. Uh, Lord, you may use this in ways that we never understand to draw men to Christ. And that's the end to which we pray, Lord, that your name would be exalted. Mm -hmm. So, Father, I thank you for the Grove Church, for our, our community here as we uh, look forward to continuing to minister to one another in unique ways in these unique days. Uh, let us do that well so that the name of Jesus is made much of. We bless you today, Jesus our Savior. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday afternoon. We love you. Look forward to seeing you maybe in yards and porches this week as we start to visit a little differently. See you.